Welcome to the NeuroTalk podcast with Ellie and Pat, also known as Hat Talks and Autistically Me on social media. Here we'll be discussing our experiences as autistic ADHD women and speech and language therapists. So go grab your favourite fidget, maybe even a snack, and settle down for some good old info dumping. Hi and welcome to episode two of NeuroTalk. Um, this episode we're going to focus on being autistic ADHDers. So that kind of focus on, I guess, the dual identity and what that means to us. Um, um, oh, we yeah. We were just discussing it before we started <laughs> and then we're like, why are we not talking about this? while we're recording so yeah I'm, I'm really excited to get into this one yeah yeah we were um me too <laughs> we were we were saying um well I feel that you're further along in the journey of that um dual identification um than me um because I only started to kind of think about reflect on and process the fact that I had ADHD alongside my autism and autistic neurotype having met you <laughs> so you were very much part of my journey <laughs> thank you I'm glad I could help in some way um yeah, I guess I think probably that might come down to a little bit that I very much kind of um when I first realised that I was autistic and sort of self-diagnosed, um, I was very, very aware immediately that I also had ADHD. Um, and for me, the ADHD felt a lot bigger than the autism did. Um, so, like, everything about ADHD, literally everything about it, I relate to. Um, and for me, it feels like, I don't know, um, almost like I have to deal with a lot of the disabling aspects of ADHD on a daily basis more than I do with autism. Um, mm. So almost like it's more prominent for me, if that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I often feel that, I guess recently when I have been reflecting and processing, um it is very much like I've got two parts of me constantly battling each other mm -hmm. <laughs> um, one part of me um seeks nuances and change and constantly wanting to try new things for that I guess people say for that dopamine hit um and then the other part of me is like no I want my structure I want my routine I know what's happening I don't like change um and I need to just be in a, a dark room on my own <laughs> yeah and it just it feels so hard to get that balance as well of mm. like right I really need to meet my autistic needs of having routine mm -hmm. of having you know safe safe foods and safe environments and um, think things that are predictable and having kind of like really sensory calm environments but then also ADHD is like give me that dopamine you know you want to try new things you want to go to new places you want to try the new food and well sometimes um <laughs> and sort of like I don't know have have new experiences and I almost find that a lot of the time when I let almost like let ADHD lead then I end up feeling really burnt out and kind mm. of autism goes, no, <laughs> no, thank you. I don't <laughs> like this. I want to go and just sit in a, yeah, in a dark room for like hours afterwards. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. <laughs> um, I'm currently recovering from an episode of burnout it's really difficult talking about episodes of burnout because in in the sense that not that I personally find it difficult talking about them I 
love sharing my experiences but it's difficult in terms of identifying when did it start and when what part of that journey like process am I at because reflecting on it I think it probably started about June time and it hit full-on burnout in about October so I'm currently like recovering from that but like you said with with my ADHD I want to go out and do things. I want to invite people around and and socialize and and everything. And it is so difficult having, well, firstly, identifying what your needs are. So my need currently is to reduce demands, reduce my activities that I can recover, Um, but then acting on that. And I find it so difficult to plan for rest and to say no as well it's such a powerful skill to have to say no and I think part of that comes from my ADHD kind of constantly seeking input and wanting to do things but also from that kind of um, I am a people pleaser Mm. so that makes it difficult yeah I don't know what are your experiences I guess I tend to just feel like I am in a constant state of burnout um mm. I don't know what rest is like you know I know that I need rest um I find it extremely difficult to rest so I I, I mean we've talked about quite a lot of a lot of this like how intense exercise I have to do and you mm. know I have to do like two hours of walking a day with the dog I have to do like a weight session four times a week I have to do cardio every single day Mm. I'm exercising like three to four hours every single day just so that I can like sleep at night um which is exhausting in itself um it sounds so like so exhausting to me that (laughs) yeah but it sort of gives me energy in other ways does exercising so like Mm. you know brain energy processing things and stuff so yeah for me exercise feels like rest in a way um or kind of helping towards that rest Mm. but at the same time like if I am sat on a night watching tv I cannot sit still at all and I have to Mm. have my phone doing things on my phone or doing things like on my laptop like (laughs) doing my invoices or stuff like that watching tv because honestly keeping still is the most triggering thing for me um Mm. and you know I just do not understand how I never understood that I had ADHD because Mm -hmm. my brain is bouncing off the walls constantly and Mm -hmm. I need my brain to stop sometimes so that I can just sit and process things and just calm down and be able to wind down for bed and be able to kind of like go into a meeting with a clear head and things like that but yeah it's just so it's so so difficult and and so I I kind of tend to have these sort of like waves of burnout but it's never I'm never quite out of it um you know it, it's just like oh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep on going and keep on going and ride this wave. Mm. I can, and I feel like I have the energy and then I get to that low point and I'm like, I still can't rest because if I rest, like I'm uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, I, it just feels really that sounds, difficult. Yeah. Sounds really difficult that, um, imagine managing it. I think, yeah, I think similarly, I'm, constantly in some state of burnout and fatigue um and just thinking about the way that you exercise really helps you it definitely really helps me to regulate but I just don't have the energy to do quite as much (laughs) um but yeah I definitely notice a difference once I've exercised to my mood and yeah overall um oh what's the word regulation that's the word I wanted um and it it helps me sleep so much better as well um because I really struggle with my sleep um as you were talking I did get up um something that I've been working on on Canva (laughs) um because there are 
let me just count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different types of rest, um, which I wasn't always aware of because most people think about physical rest. They're kind of um, just sitting still and physically resting, having a nap. Uh, what was that? Sorry. You're resting. It's not resting. No. <laughs> no well it's one type of rest but then you've also got things like mental rest so like mindfulness guided breathing yoga emotional rest so spending time alone journaling maybe spending time in nature that's one that really helps me spending time in the outdoors mm-hmm. um sensory rest so for me that's things like I'll take a bath or use my fidgets use my earplugs sometimes even in the house when it is just me um, and my partner like I'll still wear my earplugs because the sound of the fridge buzzing is even too much um the sound of like when when my other half eats actually I hate that phrase cut that out (laughs) when when my partner eats food like the sound of his mouth Mm. yeah I think I might need to start wearing earplugs for when he eats around me (laughs) (laughs) I do that all the time constantly wearing them just at home as well when it's actually most people will think it's quite quiet but it's all those subtle noises that you end up hearing as well it's quite difficult Uh, part in that that I learned recently is that for mm. Apparently, for autistic people, they can pick up on um, like sensory things straight away of, of what's triggering in the environment. But for ADHDers, mm. they tend not to pick up on what the sensory problem is until it gets too overwhelming. Um, so from my aspect of things, like sometimes I can pick up on it straight away, like this is too noisy, I need to get out. But so much of the time, I'm like, I've no idea what is triggering me right now and until Mm. I leave the situation I can't pinpoint it at all or sometimes even reflecting on it I have no idea what the sensory trigger was Um, and it's like really difficult to figure out if there's more than one thing or things are really subtle yeah I just I can't figure it out Mm. that's interesting I've not I've not heard that before but yeah I think thinking about my experiences that does make sense although I I think I differ from you in that I think that my um autistic neurotype might be more predominant um but having said that um I was only diagnosed two weeks ago um my kind of like official I'm probably masking a lot of my ADHD neurotype at this moment in time. So I am sure there'll be a huge shift as I learn more about my brain and myself. Um, I was just going to say the the last three types of rest is things like creative rest. So like spending time on special interests or pursuing new hobbies um, social rest. So kind of spending time alone and some self-care um and saying no to some social activities which is really hard for me um and then that spiritual rest as well say no Ellie. pardon say no say no (laughs) yeah yeah i'm trying (laughs) um yeah i've um I've really been struggling with rest and I, I spoke to um, Attuned Speech, who is also oh, yeah. in life as, as Kizzy, um, and we've put together a um, a Instagram post on rest and kind of, you know, knowing that rest looks different for everybody and things that work for some people work, won't work for others. Um, and I actually had a conversation with her this morning around that and kind of, she was like, yeah, you need to rest. <laughs> you need to figure out how to rest. And although I can very much kind of say to other people, like, oh, you need to rest. Like, you know, go go and chill out and do what you need to do this afternoon. I can't do that to myself. Um, mm. And I do feel quite a little bit of a fraud, kind of, you know, saying to clients and things like that, take some downtime, you know, go and, go and have like five minutes for yourself and things like that. And I, I don't do that for myself. And, you know, 
it's it's very hard unless somebody else comes and tells me you need to rest you need to go and like sit down in a dark room and just you know close your eyes and mm. listen to music i just i don't do it i am like driven by a motor mm. i guess that's that's just made me think of kind of co-regulation so i guess in those scenarios you're almost like that co-regulator almost you're that second person identifying I think, well, you are presenting this way, this might, you need to try, or you um, might want to try and do this. I I had an interesting chat with somebody at work the other day saying that we shouldn't say you need to do this because we don't know what another person needs. So it's moving away from that language. Caught myself then. Um, (laughs) But I guess it's that, it's that um, somebody else identifying it in you and providing some examples really helps it's so hard to recognize it internally but also to do it without feeling guilt Mm, I think that's the biggest part I Mm. I think perfectionist mentality if I have a to-do list that to-do list needs to get done and that's probably a little bit of my gestalt thinking style as well you know Mm. if everything's not ticked off then it's not complete um and so I I tend to get really cross and aggravated with myself when I haven't finished what I need to do in a day and it can be completely like unreasonable expectations of things I've put down on a to-do list um Mm. And I've been finding more and more recently that I've I found a really good new strategy, um, and it's something. Ooh, please that, share. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I can't <laughs> credit, unfortunately. Um, so Leanne Maskell, who is um, an ADHD coach, and she's written some amazing books about ADHD. Um, she shared a strategy that that um, is used quite commonly for ADHDers. And it's about kind of separating um, your to-do list into, as I can remember it, like now, so like immediate things that need my immediate attention, mm. not now, as in things that aren't important and can wait and can be done at another time. And then another box of like later. So once I've done my immediate things, I can move on to the later things. And by sort of separating those things out, it means that my to-do lists aren't this like huge long list. Instead, there's things that I know I have to get done that day. But if I get round to other things, that's great. Um, and it's really helped with sort of like that per- perfectionism and, you know, that that drive to always be doing something. Um, so, yeah, go away and try it and let me know. What yeah, I love that idea. Um, so I in our house um we have to do list whiteboards um that we use we we have one each <laughs> hats just showing hers off <laughs> um so we have one each and we write things on there that we need to do in a day but um I am really bad at resting and just chilling. So quite often um, my partner reminds me to add that as one of my to-dos to rest and take some time, um, which is which is a great idea because I, I, I wouldn't do it otherwise because it's not on my list. And I think that's what I struggle with. Uh, I'll write a list of things I want to do. But like you said, it's it would be great to categorize those into actually what is the priority and what can wait I think that's a great idea um yeah no it's it has been really really helpful and you know sometimes like um I'll I'll even put on my wrist my my wrist my my list (laughs) things that um you know are really like automatic things that I'll just do during the day to have like a sense of achievement so Mm. things eat lunch and eat breakfast and drink some water do you and... automatically do those during the day though <laughs> do you remember yeah, I feel like I always because because I know I was I think I've been terrible in the past but mm. because now I can only eat a select amount of things like I just bulk make things and yeah always there and as soon as I'm like oh right okay I need to eat something I'll go and do it and it's mm. not like 
big task anymore. Um, so that's really helped. I'm throwing out all the strategies today. No, I love it. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, me and ADHD strategies, I love them. I love learning about them. Mm. I love telling people about them. I think it'd be great to do an episode on that. Um, yeah. We'll just say that even though I know lots of them, it doesn't necessarily mean I use them myself. Um, mm. So good days, I really will do. And then I have pretty crappy days and none of them get used. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I can say all I say, but if I, if I don't, <laughs> it's a bit, oh, yeah, a bit annoying. Um, I've forgotten what I was saying now. About bulk, bulk making foods? Oh, I don't know. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> um, I did, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today mm-hmm. um, on this episode was about alcohol. Um, and I think, um, I mean, I don't know how people didn't understand that I had ADHD um, when they went out with me um, drinking because um I literally like autism just seems to go away in a cupboard if I have alcohol and my ADHD traits are so apparent um so you know as soon as I have a couple of drinks I am like the most sociable person you will ever meet in your life I will go and speak to everybody in the room and be like bouncing from one person to the next and I went out a couple of months ago and it was it's like the first time really that I've had quite you know not not too much but quite a bit you were a bit tipsy yeah I had a headache so let's put it that way um but basically I um I was kind of being very aware of the fact that you know I now know that I have ADHD and one of the things that I noticed was that I am very impulsive and just kind of go where the dopamine is. So if people are doing things in a nightclub that are like, you know, having like a dance off and things like that, I am right over there straight away. Mm. And then as soon as that ends or that gets, it doesn't stimulate me anymore. I am on to the next group of people like, you know, been like I don't know entertain me Mm, Um, yeah and it it really does feel like being a pinball that's how I try and explain Mm. it because it is literally just from one thing to the next constantly Um, and I with without kind of alcohol I I wouldn't know how much my ADHD is masked um by autism um mm. kind of brings me on to the point of sort of diagnostic processes and how I'm really, really worried that so many ADHDers are being missed for both ADHD and autism diagnosis. For that that dual kind of identification. Yeah. Um Yeah. I mean, well I was missed. <laughs> yes you were. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like like yeah, like many others. Um, I yeah. Mean, go on. Sorry. I was just gonna say that. I think. Well, my experience um, was that when I went to the GP to ask for a referral for an autism assessment, there's no kind of consideration, or there didn't seem to be an outward consideration of oh okay the high percentage we have spoken about the stats in a previous episode so go back and listen but the high percentage of people who do have that dual diagnosis it's almost like there should also be a quick screening or something do you know just to check um because the processes are so long and anxiety provoking and and all those other things um if you are privileged enough to even be able to um get get an assessment or if you do want to go down that um avenue um yeah you would have thought that a, a quick quick um screening would be would make a difference I think in yeah. not missing people yeah and I think as as an assessor 
if I notice ADHD traits, I will always make sure that that I kind of um, have that conversation with the person. Um, you know, if it, if it's something that they're open to, um, because I feel like um, I I'm getting to grips now with when I'm doing assessments. I'm seeing a pattern. I'm seeing lots of lots of patterns around people that are both autistic and ADHD or you know compared with people that I'm just assessing that are autistic and one Mm. of the things that I've found that I very quickly latch on to is how a person gestures so in the diagnostic criteria for autism generally it's seen that there's limited gesture and if you're an ADHD generally you tend to do a lot more movement and I don't know whether anybody watching this I gesture a lot (laughs) um I can vouch for that yeah (laughs) yeah thank you thank you I talk with my hands is what I should say Mm. for those listening that can't see she Hattie is talking with her hands right now (laughs) I feel really aware of it (laughs) um yeah I do um oh god mm. I can't stop now. um but yeah so my gestures aren't necessarily um exact they're not descriptive so you know I'm not I'm not using my hands to describe I'm not using my hands to um sort of aid my spoken communication but I'm using them to process what I'm saying I'm using them to be expressive mm. And it's something that I'm really, really finding with a lot of ADHDers when they come for assessment is they're they're doing all this with their hands, um, which doesn't necessarily fit in terms of the autism autism diagnostic criteria. Um, so yeah, there's there's certain little things here and there where I'm like, hmm, I wonder. Um, mm. And I think it's really important to be curious about that and just see whether the ADHD experience is you know something that 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 person has considered and whether it's something that they feel fits with them Mm, yeah there's there's so much to consider I was just thinking about I guess my masking journey when you were talking then and trying to think about my mannerisms (laughs) and body language and and hand gestures and everything and I think I have um one of my colleagues slash we are we are good friends um we were colleagues in our in my last job um before she knew about my self-identification um as being autistic I used to she talks with her hands and has some very um she does almost like a pincer grip I'm trying to, uh, is that like a, looks like like a crab. Yeah. (laughs) When she talks, like she'll, she won't like move them like crabs, but she'll, it'll be that position. If you can imagine your thumb on your, on your fingers, (laughs) it's really hard for people listening. But anyway, it, it doesn't matter what she did. It was just the fact that I started to notice myself copying and mirroring that when she spoke. And I remember at the time, because we weren't friends at the time, we were just colleagues. And I remember thinking, oh, like I'd catch myself doing it and I'd be, I'm doing it now as I'm thinking about her. You know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking, oh no, she, she, she'll think I'm taking the mic that I'm making fun or, you know, and I didn't have control over that. It, I just, did it and it wasn't until I was doing it that I panicked about what she'd think about that um and then as we became friends and I disclosed my self-identification with her because I did self-identify before going on that um kind of formal identification process um I met I told her this story and how much I was stressing at what she thought about that and she was like oh yeah I've never noticed you do that <laughs> So that's, I guess, it's the worst. And it thing. just you get you go yeah. to bed at night being like, "Oh my god, I'm so stressed. What is this mm. person?" And you go into work the next day and they're like, 
what are you on about yeah yeah and I think it's just a good that's a good kind of like story to highlight the fact that similar situations happen to me every day and something will happen and then I'm over analyzing it and there's been times when I have spoken to the person about it afterwards and they have no recollection of it happening or noticed it themselves because it just it it wasn't a concern or worry for them so they've just it's happened and they've forgotten about it but yeah yeah, that kind of links in with what you were saying around the mannerisms (laughs) slight topic shift (laughs) I don't know how we got here but yeah (laughs) um one of the other things that I've noticed in terms of like um people that are ODHDers is being very expressive generally um so kind of facial expression wise um at times so I know that a lot of the time if I'm concentrating on something or I'm kind of like a bit I don't know preoccupied I have a complete flat face like it's completely neutral facial expression but if I'm talking to someone my face is so expressive my whole body is really expressive and I think that kind of that that gets lost in translation quite a lot like I can still be autistic and be very expressive um and I attribute a lot of that being down to ADHD um and it's just yeah there's there's so many kind of overlaps but there's also so many differences um and I'm trying to think of the the other things now that and I'm on the spot (laughs) (laughs) I've um, noticed in myself a lot of people will tell me particularly at work how organized I am Mm -hmm. and I have to work really hard to appear organized I it causes me so much anxiety so people will see me and that I get lots of comments about oh I have to really try to be able to do it like I have multiple different lists multiple different notebooks um Mm. constantly writing things down on my phone so that I don't forget things and I have posted on like social media one of the main one of the the kind of um reoccurring strategies I use is to place items where I will have to step over them so I don't forget them for the day because the number of times I've turned forgotten something is and and then that causes my anxiety to spiral and just does not set me upright for the day um so yeah it's it is it's it's difficult it's really it's really difficult because you know I don't know about you but working life I can Mm. I know exactly what is happening next week I know exactly what my working week is like I know what I need to do next week I know the things that are on my to-do list I've got like uh, honestly the best memory of anyone I've ever met in terms of work so when I first qualified I went to a school and I had a caseload of about 85 children I knew all their assessment data in my head I knew every single so people would use the initials and I'd know exactly straight away who that was um I had like it was like a spreadsheet in my mind of each child so I knew their background information you know like in terms of um where they'd grown up what (laughs) what kind of what what the county not the, not the county but the area that they lived in um like postcodes also it was like all in here and mm. people would just come to me and be like oh do you know so and so and they'd ask me a question I'd be like yeah it's this and a lot of the time um so I work really closely with um occupational therapists OTs and I would know some of the things that they had like just spoken about in the office so they'd be like oh next week I'm going to do such and such with so and so and they'd be like oh next week they'd be like oh I'm um, I don't know what I was going to do and they'll be like oh you're going to do this <laughs> and people are like how are you this organized how do you know all this information 
And then I'd go home at night and complete opposite. Like, could not organise anything. You know, if there was things to get out of the freezer for to defrost for cooking that night, I'd have forgotten it. I'd have mm. forgotten to lock my door. I'd forgot to, you know, I don't know, shut the door so the dog didn't go around the house. So many different things on, like, admin tasks and things like that. It's just not happening. Um, mm. And I very much attribute that to work being my special interest. Um, and I can retain all that information because I love it so much. Um, but at the same time, my brain tends to get crammed with a lot of information. And I need to try and like get rid of some of it sometimes. Mm. Is that something that you you kind of relate to in terms of like work home life, or is it quite different for you? Um, I'm not sure. I guess because I'm still very newly identified ADHD. Yeah, um, I'm still very much reflecting and processing. I have noticed things like um, my ability to carry out activities is probably quite different at home, um, as in that the planning and organisation. Um, so when it comes to things like cooking, <laughs> I very often will make myself food and forget to do one of the elements in that task. And then I come back into the kitchen and I've not put water in or not put the actual turn the stove on so it's not actually cooking and you posted a video about this I did yeah because it happens so often um luckily it happened yesterday and I posted a video luckily I wasn't in the full-on hangry state then but mm -hmm. sometimes I'll forget to like I'll leave it and leave it and leave it and leave it and I'm really bad at planning for that kind of that window of when I'll be able to like how long I'll be able to wait for the meal to be ready before I kind of hit that wall um and I'm really bad at getting that right so quite often I'll I'll leave it and leave it and leave it and then start cooking so then if it goes wrong when I've left it to the last minute before I'm about to turn completely hangry like it just yeah I will it causes a bit of a meltdown sometimes not like um the kind of meltdown where I end up crying for for about 10 minutes because my food's not ready <laughs> um yeah that, that, that happened in the um because you you read my book didn't you and the um, I did yeah there's a section in that where I hadn't eaten all morning I hadn't realized mm. I hadn't eaten all morning and I got a delivery of a washing machine and it wasn't I'd bought a non-integrated one and I needed an integrated one and um I was having like this massive stress about it and spent like an hour trying to figure out what was what forgot to eat and then phoned my parents like I'm such a shit adult like I can't do this and um let's make myself some breakfast and in that time I burnt I think it was like three rounds of hot cross buns each oh. Because my attention was like on so many different things, mm -hmm. I just couldn't function to be able to just like put my brain on making the hot cross buns, and it mm. just it ended up in me throwing the buns across the room. Like mm. I don't think I wrote that bit in the book actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I put the phone down on my parents and just threw the food because I was like mm. at the point where it was just peak meltdown. Um, yeah which which happens a lot with food because yeah hunger is it's a real emotion yeah yeah um yeah I think it is just I think I started to recognize my ADHD when it comes to things like those executive functions so like my work in memory mm -hmm. um that's why I have lots of lists because I will forget. And I, I say this in sessions to my clients. They'll quite often look at me writing or typing on my iPad. And I do say to them that I, I, if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget. So I'm just writing down what we're doing. <laughs> um, so things like my working memory, like my planning and organization can sometimes be impacted. Um, I am constantly losing things as well. Like, 
my phone, I found it in so many bizarre places just because my brain, I think I wasn't fully present when I put it there. <laughs> um, so I've now got to find my phone, which is a lifesaver. Um, yes. Ooh, it's amazing. You see to this. This is amazing. Mm. That is my yeah. watch connected to my phone that beeps to tell me where my phone is. Nice. I like and it. <laughs> my partner, actually, because he loses everything, absolutely everything. He has air tags on his keys, on his wallet. I haven't managed mm. to get my phone yet. <laughs> yeah, but I've just, um, I've just bought one myself um like a find my key little tag um so I can use my phone to find my keys and then if you click the button on the keys twice that finds your phone <laughs> nice oh so that, yeah so that's been a, a bit of a life changer for me this week um yeah <laughs> do you feel like you struggle with like all the different executive functions so in terms of what for any listeners that don't know what I mean in terms of executive functions it's sort of the um how do I describe it um the the higher level skills of your brain and cognition um so things around planning and organization so things like emotional regulation and planning prioritizing um time management um oh I can't remember what the other ones are now this is not good have you said flexibility oh I didn't thank you flexibility. oh did you not flexibility yeah I've thought yeah um yeah I go away and just google it because <laughs> I've forgotten them all working memory memory working memory yeah yeah I think I definitely so it's it's when I started reading up on executive functioning because of my working memory um I always found it really difficult to remember what they were at university when we touched upon it and obviously you touch upon it and then you move on to the next lecture so it never made it to my long-term memory (laughs) um so once I started reading up on it and how it could relate to ADHD that's when I started going ah okay um so I think yeah I do experience um differences in a lot of the kind of executive functioning and I think for some of them it might not be um it's not as black and white as you think it is so I remember at university doing assessments around kind of asking someone to make a cup of tea and can they plan and organize that activity um and I was always like, yeah, I know how to make a cup of tea and stuff like that. But clearly, when I am not focused on the task, like making pasta, I do mess up in the planning organization, um, which I've recognized more. Um, and I think isn't I think attention, those attentional skills as well. I think there is still that stereotype of ADHD as being loud um, and just constantly talking and jumping off the walls and mine is very much internalized so my brain is always full and racing um I I think I think a good example as well is when people think that you'll be let's use the example of going for a walk with my dog and I'll see a squirrel and it'll be like oh squirrel oh tree oh um that's a person oh this or that but that's not what happens in my brain it would go oh squirrel it's climbing the tree oh I've not been climbing for ages maybe I should go climbing oh but which climbing center oh let's go to the one in Stockport oh I've not visited my mum and dad in a while I should probably book a visit to go and see them that's more like what it's like that that experience tend to find that I have that many thoughts going on at once that I can't pinpoint a singular thought so if Mm. I'm going out walking the dog you know perfect example and (laughs) I'm Special just interest thinking, of both of us. 
I'm just thinking about kind of like everything and anything. And before I can latch onto a thought to be able to think about it, I've moved on to the next one. So my brain mm. isn't actually logging the thought. It's just moving on very, 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 very quickly onto the next. I'm so sorry. I have got so Rashford, the assistance dog, is wanting to assist, I think. Um and he's just, he's just trying to climb all over me in the background, which is which is really distracting. Um right, you just stay there. Um one of the things that I was gonna say in terms of like being autistic and ADHD, um I learned something really really handy uh, from listening to the neurodivergent woman podcast which we are absolute fangirls of mm-hmm. um and they said within their autism and adhd um episode that if you have <laughs> the dog the dog is wrapped up in the mic <laughs> this is not going well um so if you have a couple of executive function difficulties as an autistic person generally that that is the case autistic people struggle with executive functions and when there is more than a couple of executive um function difficulties that is when adhd should then be considered alongside autism um because if you have more than the the couple it it generally pinpoints to being an adhd as well um so when I kind of I was obviously had my autism diagnosis um a while back now and I've not had my ADHD diagnosis um and I kind of got my autism diagnosis and and it the the woman that did it said to me oh yeah I'm not sure if you've got ADHD you know lots of autistic people have executive function difficulties and I so I did feel a little bit of invalidated I'm not gonna lie because I was very certain um about my ADHD identity and I sort of thought oh okay well maybe not then and I listened to that episode of the podcast and I was like oh holy hell like yeah (laughs) yeah I have ADHD uh every single executive function I tick the box huge Mm. like there honestly no words I feel like a lot of a lot of things on social media and people who I've spoken to really relate masking to autism but yeah. actually there's so much masking that goes on with ADHD as well so that in that instance when you had your assessment actually was that assessor not um special did they not specialize in assessing dual presentation of autism and ADHD and were you masking your ADHD um I'm not necessarily asking you that, that they're just the questions in my head. Um, well, it's, it's yeah. huge. I don't think ADHD masking is as spoken about. No. Um, you know, I I very much never was identified as an ADHD, even though I had extreme executive function difficulties growing up. And a lot of that was because my parents supported my organisation. So they were the ones that packed my bag the night before school. They were the ones that were telling me to do my homework. They were the ones making me eat breakfast and, you know, all this stuff. And on top of that, I was going to tennis before school and after school quite a lot of days. Um, And that was sort of masking my energy levels. Um, And then at the same time, like with zoning in and zoning out, I found Mm. that I would zone out and then very, very quickly be scrambling to figure out what I'd missed. And was my, my, and I sound really big headed here, but my intelligence levels made it so that I could do that and I could zone Mm. back in and I could figure out what they were talking about now in most cases. Mm. So I didn't tend to miss that much in school. But there were certain things in my junior school where you know, I made so many errors. They at one point they were questioning dyslexia because I missed words out, I missed letters out. Like mm. I was reading and I wouldn't read all the words. I would read like some of the words because my brain was just going too quick. There were mm. so many signs, but yet I think autism mastered and my, what I had from my family mastered. Mm. 
there's a lot there. Yeah, I feel like this episode has left lots to to think about. Um, yeah, and I think I'm still a lot of my processing at the minute is around my ADHD neurotype. Um, so I feel like I've kind of focused on that because <laughs> I'm learning so much from you. <laughs> Thank you for all the strategies. <laughs> but I think, yeah, they do. They they do sometimes like work together, but also they do also have a bit of a bit of a war against each other. Um, I think my autism definitely helps with my study because of that that um I guess that perfectionism a little bit that um that helps me organize my revision and helps me hyper focus a bit um whereas my my ADHD brain does procrastinate a lot <laughs> when I'm when a demand is placed on me um so yeah they can work well together but can also not. <laughs> oh, I think that's a good summary for today, Ellie. Yeah, well, yeah. I, Thank I, you. I so I'm, I'm glad you you took you took it there. That was good. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I'm glad it made sense. It made sense in my head, but sometimes things make sense in my head, and then I say it, and I'm like, oh no, no, that doesn't make sense to anyone else. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's been a been a good chat um so i think we will leave it there for this one and i'm sure we'll think of other ways to to chat about some of the subtopics that have come up um in this episode but unfortunately we do have to put a time on it don't we we can't just talk forever <laughs> yeah we may we may have to do a autism and adhd uh part two at some point because there's so much information isn't there there is i feel like this is kind of just scratching the surface but i think especially when we go away and and potentially reflect on what we've said and shared there'll be so much more that we haven't said and um, which yeah. i know is quite often the case for me so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Until so, next thank yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Neurotalk podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review and give us a follow on Instagram at hat.talks.uk and at autistically underscore me. Links are in the show notes. Until next time. <laughs>